Hey guys, hope everyone's having a great Sunday night right now. I had a good weekend. It was my brother's bachelor parties getting hitched next weekend. So pretty exciting. Uh, I might be kind of busy this week, but I'm going to try to get a few podcasts out. Anyway, uh, as you might remember in the past, we used to try to once a month or so do a capitalist communion with me, Will Bell, Liam McCollum, and Jacob Daniel, Biblical Anarchy 3, Win Winograd, or whatever his name is. And uh, we haven't done one since, I think, April. So it's been a while. But we got all the boys back here tonight. We got Will Bell, Liam McCollum, and Jacob Daniel, Biblical Anarchies 3, Winograd. What is your name? Like we still have that, that is my name. I legally changed it to all of those things, just so that no matter what someone calls me, they're, they're correct. It's a good idea. I guess that works. Um, most of us have blueberry wine. I'm, I actually, I messed up. Um, I don't have any blueberry wine tonight. There is some in New Hampshire with me, but it's at my parents' house. I brought it over there, and they love it, and I forgot to bring it here. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But, I almost did something worse. Put it in a glass. So Man. Yeah, it's out of the I bottle. It, or I have nothing. it in a little plastic cup that I got from the LPPA convention, but it's a step oh. up from drinking it straight out of the bottle. Because Will gives me shit for doing that. So mm -hmm. that works. Will, you got a nice wine glass with you. <laughs> so we, uh, a lot has happened since we last spoke. Uh, the three of us, meaning the three important guys, me, Will, and Liam, we've met twice, once at Reno, and then again at Young Americans for Liberty. And Jacob has just been fixing, he's been working on trannies in Pennsylvania the whole time, too busy to come hang out with us. I don't know. Yeah, what's up with that. I've been busy, like, you know, actually trying to grow the liberty movement by having kids, you know, trying to, I'm trying to go for the mantle that Josh has right now in terms of like the most kids in the liberty movement. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in a, you know, I'm in second place, but he's got like a lap on me. So I still got a long ways to go, but we'll get there. There you go. But yeah, Will, Liam, and I, we, uh, I guess we can talk about Reno. That was kind of a long time ago now. But uh, we all, yeah, uh, Will was representing Georgia, Liam representing Montana, and I was representing Utah. Uh, that was quite the experience. It was, uh, Will kind of jumped on last minute, wasn't going to make it, and made it out there. Uh, what did you think about it, Will, about the, the convention? Oh, it was great. I, I had a good time. I had a good time watching you sit there just like wallowing in agony as they went through all the, the policy and procedure. It was rough. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it was a great time. It was cool seeing like the whole Mises like mission be accomplished and everything. It was sad seeing some of our more liberal friends cry about it, but Oh, come on. Sad? That was, was the sad. most entertaining part of the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> I had fun. I still yeah. want to know if Nicholas Sarwark is all is all right because that was a brutal assault that he had to endure, and it was. I, I still believe that justice will be served. <laughs> what about you, Liam? Yeah, I have, a, I have a video of you somewhere slumped over. I think by the second day you were just passed out in the back. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I had a ton of fun. Um, I mean, I, I'm surprised we actually made it through every single thing that we wanted to do. Um, I mean, the, the biggest reason I was there uh, was to get the abortion plank removed. Just, I mean, regardless of wherever we stand personally, I, I, I think if we want to grow this movement, the best thing is to not stand on it at all um, and, and just 
talk about everything else like war. And, and that was pretty huge. I, I know many people in Montana who are now joining the party simply because we don't take a stance on abortion. Um, I have some people who are pro-choice that, that have joined the party because we don't take a stance on it. So I, um, yeah, I, I mean, overall, I'm really happy with where it's going. And um, since Reno, I've, I've taken on a larger role with the Muses Caucus. I'm doing like the stuff with uh, the Ask an Austrian podcast right now. Um, and I'm really excited to see what comes down the road because there's there's a lot planned. A lot's been going on behind the scenes and uh, there should be some big announcements coming out soon. Yeah, well, you know, it's you know, you're going down the right path when you trigger the paleos and the libs at the same time. And removing the abortion plank did both because, you know, of course, the libs were just like, oh, no, you know, women have a right to an abortion and yada. And then all the paleos were just like, if you don't make it a pro-life party, then you're still just a leftist. So, um, I mean, I, I had mixed feelings on it, but then seeing the re the reaction was just like, nah, I think. I think that was probably the right call because it pissed off both of the right groups. I will say I, I have been the one responsible for missing like the last three podcasts, but every time we've That's had the true. chance to all, but, get, but then all we, get together, Jacob well, was not there. Uh, well, Ooh, that is <laughs> fair statement right there. Again, <laughs> that's because I'm busy knocking up my wife. Meanwhile, Liam, we had to put through, you know, conversion therapy because he was being such a freaking faggot. I mean, <laughs> uh, we weren't taking advantage of him. He was willing gay. the whole time. It, it, would, have been, it would have been okay if he was gay. It's just he was being such a such a faggot that we had to do something. It's that broke back mountain time. <laughs> so well, I was go ahead. Now that Reed's moved east. I'm screwed. I have to, I don't know. Scheduling has sucked with this new job. So um, the fact that you guys are two hours ahead of me, it, it really does not make it work. East is the best man. Freedom time. I was saddest that I was gone when you guys voted on the bigotry plank. Cause that sounded like <laughs> the most entertaining outcome of all. And I was, I was in San Francisco when that happened. I was like, God damn it. I should have stayed an extra day. But, oh, I forgot oh, you left early. I did. So I never voted to remove the bigotry plank as much as I will probably get accused of you know, <sighs> such a lawbert. No, uh, no, but I, I wasn't did. there to do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, trust me, you know how I would have voted if I were there. But <laughs> you would have been this isn't far enough. You don't get the N word into the plank into into the platform somewhere. Then it's then it's still a SJW rotting yeah, flesh wound. Exactly. Oh man, but yeah. Um, all that aside, all the party politics that most people are going to find boring aside. Uh, how have you guys been doing with resisting CIA propaganda over the weekend about Iran? <laughs> let's get let's piss some people off. What do you think, Will? That's been pretty easy for me. Uh, I mean, you've talked privately about this, but years ago, like uh, when Hong Kong was popping off with China, I was corrected pretty rudely, but not really like daniel mcadams corrected me just kind of like being wishy-washy on the idea of just supporting it you know this comes off harsh but like when you're sitting there supporting the people that are revolting against their government as a libertarian people are rubbed the wrong way but like the more we swim in these circles and like see this thing like when our government and our media and our intelligence agencies are all supporting 
the messaging behind a revolution. We should just shut our mouth about what's happening back, back away and just, just let whatever happens happens. And at the very least don't perpetrate CIA talking points into the zeitgeist. And that's very hard to do sometimes when you really are, you know, wanting to be sympathetic to situations like this in Iran. You know? I mean, all I know is that the death toll on I the, the death toll in Iran would be substantially lower if we could get the uh, the masking percentage up to a hundred percent. Right now, it's just fifty percent of the population. So, I mean, if we if we can do that, we can stop the spread and we can save lives. Yeah, I, I was saying that's how you know. Um, that's the indicator that this is CIA because all the people in that video of uh, women dancing over the fire last night, like they were all we wearing masks. Like Ir Iranians' mask rate was like low forties, um, and and the CDC absolutely hated them for that. But I mean, I, I know a little bit about like the history of Iran, especially like Operation Ajax and. Uh, the reason I'm like not buying into this at all, and 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 I feel like th there is the tendency for for libertarians really to like root for um, people that are overthrowing their government, but it's like especially when you know the history of Iran, like you already know the U.S. government's involved there. Um, there there's no way they're they're not. Um, so it's just like why even why even mention or or argue anything that could potentially argue the CIA's point for. Uh, the neocons. Yeah. yeah plenty my of biggest... people are doing it. Like plenty of people yeah. are just sitting there just regurgitating the same things that, you know, Anderson Cernovich had the most fucking brain dead take I saw on Twitter. He tweeted out if Trump had been reelected, Iran would be free. Um, you know, his sanctions and murdering of Soleimani like pushed us toward freedom and uh, Joe Biden is trying to placate the regime and it's his fault that Iranians are under subjugation. <laughs> what, like, what he oh means, what he means is not that Trump, if Trump were president, it's if Trump were president and Pompeo were the secretary of state. Yeah. Well, what I, I really clap or uh, libertarian party, New Hampshire really clapped back at him uh, pointing out that, Patriotism actually surged after the airstrike of Soleimani. It actually gave the Iranians an external force to hate. Like, I mean, that was one of the low points for resistance against the Iranian regime because there was an outside force attacking him. There were thousands of people in the streets burning American flags and Israeli flags. Um, isn't exactly like what motivates them to overthrow their government. Like this idea that if you if you attack them and you sanction them and starve them to death they'll finally like be like okay you know what fine we're going to overthrow our government and embrace freedom and democracy or whatever it's such a childish take and it was actually uh i was surprised with like the trucker protest stuff um i was making the i supported the trucker protest in canada uh but like the idea that we should just go and blockade a bunch of cities was what people were saying we should do in the United States, like just go blockade Houston and blockade Washington, D.C. and like all these different cities until finally they say, OK, enough. And the people just have enough living in the cities and they say, OK, let's lift these mandates. And I was actually making the case like, look, we know this doesn't work with sanctions overseas. If you just like try to starve people out, they don't 
embrace what your message is. And that's actually ultimately what happened in some places in Canada. Like people just ended up hating the truck drivers instead of hating the government that was, you know, putting the ridiculous, um, you know, the ridiculous mandates down or whatever. So I was saying, like, if we do this in America, especially in red cities where they're not pushing these mandates anymore, you're just going to do nothing but give all these people who suddenly can't get groceries and can't get gas and everything. They're just going to hate the truck drivers. They're not going to start hating the government more and realize we need to end the Fed and bring the troops home and lift all the mandates or something. But people just think about this stuff very backward from reality is like how it actually plays out. Yeah, Scott Horton, uh, he always references this this quote. Um, I forget exactly what the title was. Some official in the Air Force, and it was a anonymous quote, but the guy essentially, it was the Iraq war. And um, after they imposed the sanctions on Iraq, there, there's this quote where the, the Air, Air Force official says, um, take out your leader and we will we will turn on your power or we will fix your power or something like that so it's it's quite clearly like sanctions are intended to force their people to overthrow their government and and they won't get rid of them until they do but unfortunately it just makes the people more dependent on their government and um i mean it's not like iranians are pro-western i mean most of them if if they're familiar with their history and a lot of them are uh they're they're familiar with british russian and u.s influence over iran and and how it's essentially destroyed their potential of becoming a legit legitimate country in in the region especially i mean a lot of them are motivated by the constitutional revolution in, in 1906 um and that's kind of been the largest movement other than the the islamic movement it has been to bring back that the constitution um that that we overthrew in 1953 so it, it's not as if like the iranian people would cling to western forces even if um we we weren't sanctioning them um so yeah it's the whole thing's ridiculous and the whole strategy has been corrupt and honestly like when you look at all of these re, uh, regime change efforts all of it has been uh shaped by the 1953 coup in in uh, Iran, um, the regime changes in Guatemala and Chile, and almost every single regime regime change since 1953 has been shaped by uh, Operation Ajax. So, can someone sanction our country so that we riot against our government to install more libertarian government? <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> well, I was going to make the point that, like, you know, when 9/11 happened, which is sort of like an attack or sanctioning us or whatever for what we are doing, you know, in Saudi Arabia and Iraq and uh, support for Israel or whatever, like that, that's kind of like the closest thing you have to a version of like them trying to sanction us with whatever power they have. And what did that do to Americans? Did it make Americans go, Oh man, wow. You know, these guys really have a point. Like we should kind of like, you know, listen to what they have to say. Like, no, of course not. It just made us go like, we need to go stomp some faces into the ground. And that's what we did. So the idea that it would be any different when we airstrike their general and then, you know, put more sanctions on them, they're not going to be like, you know, these Americans really have a good point about how much our government sucks. Like, it's just not how people respond to that type of shit. Let's let's restrict your, you know, let's restrict your liberty and let's let's like oppress you even more in response to your oppressive government. And then you'll somehow 
do the mental gymnastics to be like, yeah, obviously more liberty is the answer here because that's, <laughs> I mean, if you right. do, you're going to do it in a way, like the only responses that you're going to have are going to be like uh, biased towards the people who are causing you harm. So like you might oppose your government, but it doesn't mean that like what you're going to advocate in its replacement is, is something good. And the, the funniest thing about Iran is just so ironic. Like uh, the CIA came up with the definition of blowback. Um, and is completely aware of this concept we're talking about uh, in direct reaction to Operation Ajax. Like there's, there was a 1954 report that the CIA uh, wrote where they essentially said like, yeah, this is the, the specific type of operation we should be, uh, every, every CIA officer should have in mind uh, the potential of blowback with operations like this. And I mean, it, it's pretty clear that I think 79, the, the revolution in 79 that brought about the Islamic regime currently was that blowback. And the CIA is aware of that. And the fact that they would even try to get involved now, I think is pretty ridiculous knowing that history. Blowback is just like a universal principle of like life. I mean, like you see it in so many different places. I mean, it's sort of like if you're trying to hold back like like something that's building up pressure like you can repress it but eventually it's going to you know burst or you can um you know like psychologically speaking if you have some kind of trauma you can repress it you know and kind of like try to push it down and and, and beat it back in your psyche but eventually down the road it's going to you know manifest itself in some destructive way in your life and you know whether it's physics whether it's you know psychologically um or whether it's politically it's like you know using force to you know sort of like impose your will upon something you know it, it, it i mean it's i mean it's just kind of like basic physics in terms of like you know you know there's like an equal opposite reaction for any action that you take and the more force you're exerting upon a group of people the more that group of people is eventually going to push back um it doesn't mean that it's you know necessarily going to be equal because you know uh, you know, if, if you're America and you have this giant, you know, military industrial complex, uh, you know, you, you're able to, I guess, kill more of them than they kill of you. But th that's not exactly the foundation for what I would, you know, uh, espouse as some sort of, you know, ethical uh, government, let alone like the evangelical Christians who are, you know, most notorious for supporting this kind of thing historically. And it's just like, yeah, that's, I, it, 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 I want to say it, it bewilders me, but at the same time, it doesn't. I'm used to it. And I, I've almost become a little bit blackpilled. Um, I'm trying not to be, but like the fact that right wingers, but then especially Christians, just keep on not getting it and keep on con like just continue to fall hook, line, and sinker for all these different, you know, all the propaganda that's used to justify all these military actions or to turn a blind eye to it or bury their head in the sand. I mean, it's just, you know, we keep on, you know, ringing the alarms on all this stuff, but no one cares. I mean, people care about like Ukraine, but they don't care about Yemen. And it's like, and I'm not saying I don't care about the people dying in Ukraine, but why can't I also care about the people dying in Yemen? Why can't I care about the people who we've contributed to the death deaths of in Iran over the past, you know, 50, 60 years. It's like people just have this like selective outrage that's so inconsistent.
Yeah. Well, to me, the selective outrage should be over the things that your government or in your country have helped cause. Well, yeah, it's completely and, backwards. Like their selective yeah. outrage is towards what other people are doing, not what towards their own people are doing. Well, right. and this is also a Christian principle, right? Like remove the log from your own yeah, eye exactly. before taking the speck from your neighbors. So like, yeah, I'm sure the, you know, the, uh, the Iranian regime is no fun to live under. Neither is the Chinese government or the Cuban government or like any of these places, but they're all in opposition to us. You know, none of the, and a lot of the reasoning for the existence of some of these governments, like Liam was pointing to with Iran, or you could even say with Cuba, like a big reason the Cuban government became so communistic and anti-American was because of blowback against our policies uh, years ago. And, you know, like we, we never think about that. We never think about all the people who are starving in Yemen because of our support for the Saudi blockade that's going on. Oh, we don't think about yeah. the people who are dying in Palestine because of our support for Israel. We don't think about all the people who died in Iraq or Afghanistan. Like that's all nothing. And we're only focusing on like, oh, my God, the Uyghurs or the Kurds or the hijabs, you know, like that's, you know, that's but, all you know, Reed, your problem about. is you don't care enough about like just just imagine a daughter crying over the corpse of her parent or parents. You know what I mean? Like you you obviously have no sympathy for something like that. It does depend on who the subject material is. <laughs> but like we all intellectualize this, the idea of blowback, the idea that like all this stuff is kind of presented to us as a form of propaganda, like us, us libertarians that are like in this shit all the time. Um, and it's easy to get black pilled on this issue when your neighbors don't give a fuck about any of these like, they give a fuck about the wars, but it's it's in the in the view of it's how not even just that they don't give a fuck. It's like they don't give a fuck about that. And then they're still freaking like losing their fucking minds about like, you know, immigration. Just like mm. God. Like, I mean, I know I know like listen, I have no problem with people like Dave Smith and others who are like, you know, not pro open borders. It's like I don't I don't care. But for people like the 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 you know magatards who are still like you know um, like like they seem to be getting on better on some liberty issues, but they'll they'll still like just randomly out of the blue just like when they're complaining about the economy instead of like focusing on like the actual causes, they'll just be like, and that's why we got to build the damn wall and send all these immigrants back. And I'm like, no, what the f like Jesus? Like, God. well, I actually when it at least when we're talking about foreign policy i prefer people who don't give a fuck about any of it like those are my people if you literally don't give a fuck that's fine like i don't care if you don't care about kids in yemen as long as you also don't care about you know women in iran or whatever like if you're flat across the board don't give a fuck and you don't want to get involved in anything okay that's cool but the problem is there's very few people like that most people don't give a fuck about Yemen, but then they really do care about the Uyghurs in China and they really do care about, you know, political dissidents in Cuba. And it's just like, if you literally, if you actually won't give a fuck about everything, I'll be fine. But it's, it's the selective giving a fuck about things that we have nothing to do with other than perhaps like creating the problem in the first place. Um, and you know, just staying the fuck out of it. Well, you know, Christians are, are called to care about the world, but I, I guess somewhere along the way, 
you know, there was a translation error and being salt and light got translated to, you know, be Bomb Tomahawk missiles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, the, that I made a... That outrage I, uh, that we presented is selective. Like we, that's the thing I was wanting to get at. It's like, and I know we all know this, but it's the public needs to know this that they're being propagandized by our government, like subtly all the time. Anytime you turn on the cable television, and them guys in them nice suits, they get up there and they they wring our heartstrings over the Uyghurs or the Kurds or insert whatever the the newest guy that some big bad tyrant that America doesn't like is picking on. And that's how they, that's how they really get us. I think that's the biggest form of propaganda our culture is forced with is the idea that America has to save the world. Yeah. I've been, I've been knocking doors for a lot of candidates here in Montana. Um, and, and something that I've found is when, when I ask people what their top issues are, it's always whatever the media is talking about at the moment. And and I was reading this this book um, called Thinking Fast and Slow. It's it's kind of on psychology and economics. And there's this concept uh, they call about the available. He calls the availability heuristic. And the idea is that like you will put more importance towards things that are most readily uh, available that you can recall in your mind. Um, and and this is like what we observe when. Yemen is happening um, when the U.S. government invaded you or helped the coup in Ukraine. They invaded Iraq. Um, there was the war in Afghanistan, but then uh, Russia invades Ukraine. And that's suddenly the biggest thing because the media is talking about it. Like all of these other things are happening and are equally. Because as it important. was completely unprovoked, Liam. Russia <laughs> exactly. just woke up one day and said, fuck it, let's march some troops into Ukraine. And it's and it's not just the availability heuristic. It's also just like how, you know, we we have very short term. Yeah, we have short term memories in the United States. And I, I tweeted this earlier, just United States of amnesia, because while I was learning about Iran and um, I, I, I actually took a class about Iran last year at the University of Montana. And um, I a lot of people view Iran as kind of like United States of amnesia uh, based off of that um, uh, Gore Vidal quote. And part of that is because like the policy changes administration to administration um, prior to the 1953 coup, like the, the policy was containment, but then the Dulles brothers came in and they were, they were advocating for uh, the policy of rollback and liberating uh these these countries and that's kind of where the form of regime change came from was was the Dulles brothers who i think are probably responsible for the kennedy assassination and um i mean what we've had in i mean iran Stop it, Will. guatemala <laughs> chile what? Well, <laughs> do you guys want to start a conversation on the Kennedy assassination? No, 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 not <laughs> <laughs> But, but yeah, no, I, I mean, like, truth, truthfully, though, like, we we do have um, amnesia in this country. Like, 2014, no one even knows about the Ukrainian coup um, that happened. And yeah, I, I think that that's kind of the lesson is that uh, a lot of people in the U.S. don't they don't remember things that basically just happened in the in the um, administration prior to the current presidency. But, you know, democracy good. <laughs> that's all. That's all I need to know. It's just democracy good. Everything else bad. 
So it doesn't matter what we do. If we're fighting against some kind of country that's not democracy, then they're automatically the bad guys and we're automatically the good guys. And America was a, you know, founded on a Christian nation and the American flag is up in my church. So clearly, you know, this is God's army that's sent to fight on Israel's behalf to make the world a safe place for Israel. Gosh, like it's right there well, in me, Revelations, guys. To me, this country really went downhill when we took under God out of the Pledge of Allegiance. That was, you know, that was the end of it. So. <laughs> Man, I miss you on Twitter. That remember was when that used to be an edgy read joke, like yeah. something like that. We've yeah. pushed the Overton window a ways in a year. <laughs> we found that edge. Found yeah. that edge. <laughs> oh man, and I just I don't know. I, I, I've I just increasingly don't give a shit. Like people get upset about the most petty, dumbass shit, and it's just like, fuck, I don't have time for that. Like I just don't. It it's like there's there's actual evil going on in the world and people get upset about dumb mean tweets or you know whether that's trump saying mean tweets whether that's reed coverdale saying mean tweets i don't whether that's twitter anymore so well yeah well, <laughs> uh, you know certain state affiliate accounts saying mean <laughs> tweets <laughs> uh you know or you know or it's like people uh Again, people caring about these like tangential distraction culture war issues. I mean, uh, whether it's like getting obsessed about. I mean, to some extent, I I think. I mean, I'm start. I don't know where you guys are at. I'm starting to get annoyed by the like anti woke crowd, kind of like the the the, the right wing reactionaries. And like, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of shit in sort of like the woke SJW culture that I think is kind of part of the cathedral or the regime or whatever and like i i don't like it but it's like you know I, I don't know i don't wake up in the morning and think that the i'm not like solely animated by the fact that there are like people out there pushing some kind of trans agenda on people like i think it's bad but i mean there's also people in the world who are like pushing all sorts of other crazy shit and then like it, it's like what what do we do about it right it's like if all you're going to do is talk about all these things that exist in the world and how you're offended by them it's like hey, but what are you going to do about it right like it if you're going to invoke the state to fight that sort of battle okay well good i mean i, I I'm sorry. I just I have no reason to believe that is going to be successful. And I'm not saying I really care about people like DeSantis or others who are trying to like, you know, sort of like push back against some of that stuff, you know, on like the state level and whatnot. But it's like, is that really like the the end game? Like, is that really going to be effective over the long term? And is is that I don't know, like, is that where we should is that where we should be concentrating our energy right now? Because it's well, like, I, I don't know, like I I care about you know, the agenda to like trans the kids, but I kind of just, I don't know. I would rather have a conversation about like pushing back against trans and the kids when like we stop bombing a bunch of kids and you know, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just yeah, well, some people so I think are more, they're more motivated by either hating the right than, and, or hating the left than they are by like just having a sort of like consistent, sorry, consistent ethic or consistent morality motivating their actions yeah so i think this became very transparent with the megan mccain tweet because you had people who claim to be and i'm not even going to go after any libertarians here but you you have people who claim to want 
mean tweets and better policies and also claim to kind of be anti whatever the system is and really be agitators against the regime or whatever until something like that comes out. And then it's like, whoa, 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 back right up. That's too much. Um, so to me, like a lot of these right wing reactionaries, they have zero substance. Like they're, they're never taking on any actual systemic structural authoritarian problems, right? So they'll talk about how stupid it is that a man is on the women's swim team, which everyone with a double digit IQ will agree, you know, and they'll be like, yep, that's pretty stupid. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, it should be like, okay, moving on next thing. But that's the appropriate response for a normal yeah. human to just be it's like, just, all right, that's weird. What else, do, what else is going on in the world? Right. Yeah. So instead what they do is they'll talk about that for months about how dumb it is. And they'll drag everyone into this stupid argument over whether or not men should be on the women's swim team and right. any intelligent person that was a no out of the gate and then kind of moving on. But instead it's like, that becomes the focus and then you never end up focusing on any of the big shit taking place. So Tim Poole will try to act like he is super countercultural and he's like really against the awful, terrible regime and he's really a renegade or whatever. But then he'll push all their talking points about the Uyghurs in China. Um, and whenever someone really comes out against someone who's actually evil and pushes for lots of, um, you know, horrible policies, he's like, whoa, 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 hands off. To me, that is like emblematic of most of the right wing. You know, well, they here, here, and, and they never the, talk about like the important stuff and they never go after the structures that actually matter. And, you know, when they start, when some of them start like chipping away at the corners. So like um, Jesse Kelly, this is uh, this was like a month ago now or so. He was really getting based on the FBI. He was saying like, we need to smash the FBI into a billion pieces and never put it back together. And we were retweeting him from LP New Hampshire and saying like, yes, Jesse, this is awesome. Like keep going this way. And he was liking our stuff. And then he sort of cooled off and he was like, we need serious reform in the FBI. And it was like, dude, what? No, you were right before. Like we were saying, come on, Jesse, what, what happened? You were right before. And then Elon Musk made a tweet about how we need a kinder GOP that doesn't care what you do in your own private bedroom. And so then Jesse Kelly quote tweets that and says, we've had a kind GOP. It's time for a mean one. And so we replied to him, we hope by mean, you mean going after the intelligence agencies that are, you know, breaking down your doors in a Gestapo like manner. And the only bedrooms we care about are the ones where Epstein's clients were raping underage girls and the FBI memory hold all of it. And, you know, cause that's like actually going after the structure that's ruining your life and everything. And he blocked us. And I don't know if he's gotten better on the FBI since then, or he's like come back to where he used to be, but this is what a lot of them do. Like if they get near something that's actually radioactive, they're not supposed to touch. They'll kind of back off. Oh, let's focus on what people are doing in their bedrooms instead. You know, that's easy. That still gives us this kind of edgy, mean, you know, countercultural look, but we're not really going after anything with teeth. And so our job is to be like, no, like the FBI, that is what's ruining this country. And that's what will break down your door and beat your face in if you're a political uh, opposition or whatever. So 
to me, that, that that is the right wing. They go after the fucking toothless, meaningless culture war bullshit that isn't going to actually really make a big difference. It just gives them this appearance of opposing the machine when they're not really. Yeah. And then, I mean, with the whole like you, thing you said about Tim Pool, and, you know, I, I've had some strong disagreements with people in our own camp over that whole Megan McCain thing. And I I watched that whole episode with you on Jose going back and forth with Dave on, on that whole thing, which was, it was kind of funny. I was like, first of all, like, you know, Jose's a freaking agorist. I was like an agorist invites libertarians on his show and they debate the libertarian party, Twitter accounts for an hour. The libertarian so- <laughs> party in New Hampshire is turning Jose into a libertarian. Like, like, <laughs> it's pretty funny. <laughs> um, but, but you know, I, I, I like I can kind of get where Dave is coming from, but I, I think he's wrong in a sense on, on this because he's like, well, we have to be the ones who are the most compassionate, and I'm like, well, yes, of course, I agree with that. But what do you mean by compassionate? If by compassionate you mean like the most respectful or like you know like saying the most like nice things or not like offending people, like I don't know, like I just I don't really give a shit about that. Like, you know, it's this. It, I have the same thoughts about the Christians who get all bent out of shape about, like, me saying the, you know, saying fuck or, or shit or faggot or whatever. It's like, who cares about mean words? You know, the, the syllables and vowels coming out of my lips are not an indication of whether or not I love someone. You know what is an indication of, of how compassionate I, I am? Um, how much I advocate for the annihilation of hundreds of thousands or in some cases millions of people in different parts of the world and to what what extent I'm um, not just turning a blind eye to it, but actively pro- uh, promulgating propaganda to that effect. And so, like, when people were getting all about, like, you know, oh, it wasn't compassionate to go after Meghan McCain and John McCain like that, like, no, fuck you. Uh, what's compassionate is being pissed off beyond belief about the millions of people that John McCain and Meghan McCain have helped to uh, orchestrate the deaths of. And that is what compassion for human lives leads you to, is being pissed off about the genocides and the and and the destruction of human life that's going on. And it's just like, oh, hold up, back off. You can't be pissed off about millions of people dying. Not like that, at least. Like, you gotta gotta go about it nicely. It's like, no, dude. Like, sorry, you know what? Jesus went into the temple, pissed off, and flipped off, flip, flipped some tables, and chased people out with whips. And sometimes that is the right response. I have heard people sorry. use the flipping tables to uh, justify dropping nukes on Japan. But right, right. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's a, we need to treat the people who bomb the shit out of brown people in the Middle East yeah. with a little bit of respect. You know what I mean? But it's okay to use the Bible in the name of slaughtering millions of people. Like, no, I'm sorry. I'm not going to be any less pissed off at those people. And I am not going to carry water for them because someone, you know, held their feet to the fire in a public uh, arena and did it in a way that hurt your feelings. Like, no, sorry. I don't give a fucking shit. I really don't. Yeah. I like I fired think, up Jacob. Justified. Yeah, we need to see more Justified, of this. I like fired it. up Jacob. Hell yeah, brother. I think he drank his whole glass. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I talked to, to Reed before this just uh, on the phone about my position. And I, I think, like, I, I did agree with 
with Dave um, more, but I think that's just, it just goes to my nature. And I, I, I think it was more that um, from a strategy perspective, if, if we wanted to get people to the point where we are making fun of John McCain and, and Megan McCain um, crying over his, his uh, casket, I think like where I did agree with Dave, it was like currently right now, um, if you were to ask someone like the average person what McCain did and like what his role was in Iraq, no one would know. They're just they just revere whoever just because they were they're told to. Right. But so, so to me, it was like we should we should first get people to the point where they how? know where they. I just mean like by pointing out that that he was responsible. And but, what if, I care but, we, but, but here's the thing. People aren't hearing that because they're not paying attention. Right. We got to get people to pay attention and then come to them with the truth. So like, I think yeah, I mean, what New Hampshire about... did was absolutely the right. It was the same thing with the child labor tweets a year ago. Like, yeah, yeah was it like? And back then, people were responding in a much better way. Like by, by people, I mean the libertarians were actually responding uh, and supporting that tweet in a way that it worked because it was like New Hampshire went out and like you know like threw the bomb and like ran away and people were like what the fuck everyone's paying attention and then you had like all these people coming in and laying out all the sound philosophical and empirical uh arguments for why uh abolishing child labor laws is actually good for the development of young people and for the economy meanwhile this in this instance when the right response should have been the same it should have been people going okay you might think this is in poor taste but do you know about all of the shit that John McCain advocated for and all the propaganda he spewed and all the fucking evil that we committed in Iraq and Iran because of the, the actions of these neocons like, like John McCain? That's what we should have been doing. Instead, it was like, oh, hold up, guys. We can't be mean to neocons, or at least not that mean. It's like, now, and I get Dave's point was like, well, the first thing that people see is... uh someone grieving over their parent but the correct response to that is hey you know what i am incredibly empathetic to children grieving over their dead parents how about you be empathetic to children grieving over their dead parents and look at all of the fucking people that are dead in the middle east who have their children you know look at all the pictures of children crying over the burnt charred blown up you know like body parts that used to be their parents like no, that, I'm sorry. Like just yeah. I, I mean, I, I totally understand. Like after the fact, like after you made the tweet, like like don't back down, and you should absolutely make that point. But I but think I, you have to make the tweet to get people to pay attention because you have to snap people out of that complacency. People just don't give a shit. I mean, libertarians have been preaching the truth about economics and preaching the truth about the horrors of war and and, and military interventionism for decades. I mean, Scott Horton has been out there doing that kind of great work for decades. You know, even people like the Cato Institute, who I fucking hate, have been pointing out the horrors of war for decades. Yeah. No one gives a shit. Because they're not paying attention. We have to, you, it's kind of like the Matrix movie, right? Like you have to do something to cause a glitch in the Matrix to get people to even get to the point where they're going to look at the red pill. But unless you do that, people are just going to keep on just breathing, breathing through life with absolutely no fucking care in the world. I mean, yeah, I just like, I, say, I just want to add, like, 
99.9% of the tweets by Libertarian Party of New Hampshire are policy and they're like straight up like this is what ha and they're bold, you know, they're never like wishy-washy, but they're very 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 few of them are actually really controversial and uh provocative. Most of them are like, you know, mm -hmm. hey, look at this dead child in the Middle East. And so, like the messaging of like in your face like, look, this is what happened here. Look, this is what happened here it still gets almost zero traction. Like we've tweeted out so many pictures of dead children and starving children and shit. And, you know, it gets four or 500 likes or something, a couple retweets from the really anti-war people. No yeah, outsiders bully, are And ever... then you bully Megan McCain one time and you're making yeah. national news for weeks. International I mean, news. <laughs> I, I did tell Reed this, like, honestly, the 6 million tweet and the Zelensky tweet, like, those that, didn't yeah, that missed the mark. Yeah, that, that, I, that, that, I yeah. actually support those more. Like I, I thought that those were better tweets <laughs> than than the McCain one. Um, I what, just what I, was your like? Uh, is there any issue with the Megan McCain tweet for you, Liam? Other than just bad strategy? Well, to me, it's like I, I told Reed this. Like I have three different takes. I have like the Christian take. I have the stra uh, strategic take, and then I have like the base take. The Christian take is like I have no idea. It's all the same take. <laughs> well, we, we could we could argue that, but like for the Christian take, like I really don't know because I mean, uh, like in Ezekiel, uh, God says that He doesn't want evil people to die, um, but still He He is willing to kill them. Uh, he He'd rather them come to life. And then there are Psalms where it's clear that we are supposed to re rejoice when um, when justice evil people perish. When evil people perish. Yeah. Um, Book is yeah. full of contradictions and everything. Well, oh, right. <laughs> Will, Will, we're on your side. Okay, I'm on your side. Okay, that's friendly yeah, fire. Okay, we don't want to lose him. He's don't on our side. Don't trigger the right autism. <laughs> I really don't think they're contradictions as much as they are guideposts and like guideposts. Because I think what it is is it's more that um, like we're just not supposed to revel in it, but we are that's supposed to rejoice. Wine. Yeah, You're right. I, yeah. I, yeah, I've already down this thing. So, um. But yeah, no, I like I, I have that Christian take where I really don't know. And then the second take is the strategic one. And then the base take is like, yeah, hell yeah, like definitely send the tweet. Um, and I, I didn't really speak on it because I didn't I didn't know what my position was. I didn't know which one to take. But after listening to Dave Smith, it really crystallized. I think um, like like Ron Paul, the reason like most of us are here is because Ron Paul just told us the, the truth. And I don't think that you have to shock people into doing that. Like the child labor law was literally just legalized child labor. And no, 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 it no. It trending. was uh, children will learn more on a job site than they will in a classroom legalized child labor. That is libertarianism, though. Like that's sure. I don't think that that's offensive. Whereas like the photo of yeah, what about the other the one? Uh, John McCain's brain tumor saved more lives than Anthony Fauci. Yeah, I, I mean, that's like, it's similar to me with with the casket, like it's, to me, it's like, it, it doesn't, I don't relate to it as much, like, personally, and, mm -hmm. and strategically, I don't, I don't think it really works. But I understand it. And I understand that it works for New Hampshire. I also understand that New Hampshire is a completely different affiliate than Montana. Yeah. Um, so I want to take the it, names out of it, because people start like, you know, Dave said this or so and so because like that kind of ruins the argument, like who's saying what, like, I, I want people to just like think about, you know, the merits of the argument just on his face, regardless of like which person takes that position or whatever. Um, 
Do you think the, anybody really looks at that picture of Megan McCain though and thinks that that the whole entire scenario there, not the funeral itself, but the picture that was released to the public of her crying over the flag draped coffin doesn't just exist to sell war. Like that's its only it purpose. The only I think it absolutely does. I mean, like part of the reason why I, I disagree or like just personally think that it, it doesn't work is because I came from the conservative background that uh, the, the people who, who do revere John McCain just because they think they're supposed to. Um, and I mean, it, it's clear that it was a manufactured photo, that it was set up. But like, if, if I were still that conservative to reach me, you wouldn't you wouldn't want to post that photo and, and push me away. Because I, I mean, the the truth is, is no one's going to pay attention more than that one head that first headline that they post where it's like, yeah, New Hampshire posted a photo and made fun of John McCain um, or Megan McCain crying over John McCain's casket. Like, what I don't think back, people have right? what we were talking about earlier is that uh, citizens I mean, don't have long term I mean, maybe... attention spans. And I really I mean, yeah, I don't but, th know. but think about it this way, Liam. Like, so we went from 23,000 followers to 28 or 22, I think 22,000 ish to 28 and a half thousand followers. So those people who did see that one tweet, because it was mostly from that tweet. Um, now they see everything we say all the time. And we had we had a publishing company from Australia just message us the other day asking us to answer questions about the war in Ukraine and like why we feel the way we do. Um, and we've had dozens and dozens of articles released about us. And if you read the articles, most of them say like, they say that they posted this because they hate John McCain for his war crimes and they double down on, you know, like it's pretty decent press that really, um, you know, kind of flushes out our position in a, you know, kind of condensed form. Um, but it obviously works for some people, right? Like it worked for a large number of people. This is what I think everyone's missing about this thing is, and I think this is a problem with the Mises caucus that I saw kind of early on that, um, we have a centralized problem. Like we have this idea that we all need to say the same stuff and have the same style. Okay. I we disagree all, with you on that. Hold, hold, hold on. Hold on. Let me finish my thought. We have this idea no. that we all need to be Ron Paul again, which I think is dumb. <laughs> I mean, I think Larry Sharp reaches a lot of people in his own way. I think Spike Cohen reaches a lot of people in his own way. I think Dave reaches a lot of people. I think Ryan Dawson reaches a lot of people. I think all these people have completely different methods that work for completely different people. Um, you know, I mean, some people were brought in by Joe Jorgensen or like Gary Johnson or people that we typically think of as kind of loose noodles. So when it comes to having a messenger who represents the party on the presidential ticket and when it comes to the national party making tweets, I do think, yeah, like this type of thing wouldn't be that productive. Like, I don't think if the National Party had tweeted this out that that would have been a great move. And if uh, we have a presidential candidate who, um, like, I don't know. I mean, I do think the presidential candidate should be kind of edgy. I think, you know, Trump's policies were awful, but he really taught us a lot about how to weaponize the media when they hate you <laughs> because they are going to hate us if we're not running an approval seeking campaign if we're running a contrarian campaign against what the media wants us to be saying the only way you're going to generate media about yourself is by saying like crazy shit and it can be true and crazy 
Like, you don't want to lie. Like, you don't want to say stuff that's completely fucking false or something that has nothing to do with what you're trying to sell. But there's a line of, like, edgy to informative. And, you know, if you're more on the edgy side, it's going to get more press. If you're more on the informative side, you're going to get across what you want to say more. And it's a sliding scale of, like, figuring out where is the most effective at a given time. And um, I think New Hampshire the libertarian party of new hampshire really speaks to a lot of people obviously now we're only like 50 followers behind texas which is the largest affiliate right now we're right behind them we did have 4000 followers last year when you know the party was restructured or whatever so there's obviously a market for it it's obviously attracting a lot of people we've gotten a lot of people to move. we actually got people to move to new hampshire over the mccain tweet a bunch of people like saw that and they're like, okay, this is enough. Like I'm, I'm interested what's going on here. We got members to sign up for LPNH over the tweet. Um, you know, so I think there's a place for it. Like, I don't, I, I really hate this idea of like, we all need to message this exact way. And any deviation from this idea of messaging is a failure. I think we need, everybody on board and yes like when you run a presidential candidate and you have a national party affiliate you do have to centralize things a little bit and decide okay we're going to say like the broad libertarian principles here and we're going to try to say something and encapsulate that encapsulates what most of us feel but like when it comes to new hampshire i don't think it should have to be the same as the national party and i think you know if maryland is different and florida is different and they all are like I mean, we're known as like the super based one and then Kentucky's the sort of based one and then Texas is the super gay one. And it's just like, whatever. Like, I mean, they're all, you know, they're all doing their thing. And I don't know. Like, I think that's the I, way it should be. I, I don't know. I, I so I, I agree with everything you said, ex except the, the the one line I disagree with you on is the idea that there's people saying we all need to have the same message. Because I don't think that's what people are saying. I think people for the most part, want there to be a diversity of strategy and voices within the party, within the caucus, within the movement. Um, but I just think that some people are like, they just, they think New Hampshire just goes too far sometimes and thinks that New Hampshire needs to tone it down just a little bit on some of the times that in their mind that they go too far. But I don't think everyone wants New Hampshire to become Texas or New Hampshire just to become a, you know, a mere well, well, national... there, there's a also a sliding scale on what you're talking about. There are some people. I mean, I guess, want, yeah, there's... I'm not saying everybody like, I mean, I, I, and I, I, and but I think, so I know, think like not... prominent people in the caucus and in the leadership, I don't think that they want everyone to just be, you know, Ron Paul or Dave Smith 2.0 and just like, you know, repeat the same talking points. There might be some people who, yeah, I, I mean, just because like if you put forth any proposition and ask are there people in a group that believe this yes i'm sure there are but i i don't think it's a substantial number of there people. have been many times when someone is trying something new that the response this is not the ron paul revolution has been made like a, a number of times um and it, most of the times it's been where i'm like I actually think this is like what this guy should be doing because this is going to be effective in 2022 where you know, Ron Paul was effective in 2012 to the largest well, you need, extent. But you need you know? both. Like you need, you need someone and everyone has a different temperament and a different skill set, right? Like sure. I would be a bad Ron Paul. I'm not yeah, that calm. I'm not that patient. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a, 
you know, a, a baby doctor in a town of like a few hundred people. Like, you know what I mean? Like I just, I couldn't do it. I get way too animated, way too pissed off. And, uh, you know, but, but you, but you need people, you know, you, you need your. Could I say something too? Like, yeah. Our guy that we're putting forth, Dave, you know, he's, He's the guy that we all support, you know, basically we got a long run until like we select our candidate, but like Dave Smith is a, as a candidate, like I'm on board here for like bold Legion of skanks comedian, Dave Smith, that's willing to push, push the envelope in edgy comedy too in messaging. I'm really uninterested in Christian conservative Dave that wants to talk about immigration and, trans shit with temple i i don't know like what when i got in, invested in this i i was really thinking we were gonna be kind of wild and shit and now like making fun of fucking fat megan mccain is too much like i'm i just he's he's being he's trying to emulate ron paul which is a good thing to emulate and that might be a good strategy for most people that aren't he needs he needs to incorporate he needs to integrate the best of Ron Paul, but still be himself. Like yeah. Dave should not yeah. be Ron Paul. And yeah. I, I don't think that Dave needs to be New Hampshire. I think Dave can be Dave. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I don't know. To me, New Hampshire is like, they're almost um, like the sacrificial lamb. Like they go so fucking like balls hard to the wall that like, they're going to get annihilated by like all of the corporate press, by all like the big talking names and whatnot. But that's good. Like they, they said, here's how we're I figuring it. They, what you can get away with. <laughs> so well, yeah, you can well, well, and you guys, you guys push the Overton window so far out in the left field that like, like you, it's kind of like, you know, it's almost like, you know, the, and now we talked about this a few times over the, and you've talked about this on uh, some of your shows too recently that like now the legalized child labor, uh, tweet is like tame like today it would almost be like make children working in coal mines great again you know what i mean yeah, like, we'd have to do something like that <laughs> you'd have to do something like that and people would go wow what the fuck that's insane and then like we come in and go oh yeah no we don't want children working in coal mines we just think that children should be able to you know do apprenticeships and drop out of high school and enter the, the marketplace Make early. You guys People look would... like the reasonable. Exactly. Moderates. It's yeah. like you guys, you guys go <laughs> so far out in the left field that then radical positions uh, that just like take the, the insane edge off that New Hampshire brings to the table look completely reasonable to people in comparison. And it's like, I like that kind of good cop, bad cop sort of strategy. I think that's actually very effective. Um, I and, and I, and I think, you know, again, as far as what you said about Dave, Will, I mean, I'm obviously biased. I like I like Christian conservative Dave, but you know, I don't think being Christian conservative means not being Legion of Skanks comedian Dave. Like, and I I agree with Dave in the idea that like, you know, he wouldn't go uh, on like the Joe Rogan podcast, or he wouldn't go on like Fox Business. Or go in, you know, on, on the campaign trial doing campaign stuff and do Legion of Skank stuff because it's not the time and place. But you got to incorporate an element of like what makes you successful. And so, you know, he, he can't just water it down to nothing and just go like, you know, full blown, just all I'm going to talk about is end the Fed in Yemen. Like you, you got to you got to have that comedian trolling the regime element in there, even if you tone it down a few steps from what New Hampshire does. 
and he's got to be willing to like give a little like and he does in like some of our pure libertarian arguments but i find like dave's like scared to talk shit about you know blue collar conservatives or rednecks like he he's treating us like liberals treat black people like he doesn't want to hurt our feelings. <laughs> he is. He does. I don't He's... know. There was an episode the other day where he definitely kind of, you know, was a lot harsher towards right wingers in general than he has been because, like, you know, and 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 made clear his issues with Trump and made clear his issues with with like I I think it's just sort of like when people are in power, you tend to attack them more. And like the Democrats are in power now. So that's kind of the focus. But that doesn't mean that Dave's ignoring that some of the shortcomings of right wing conservatism. But I don't know, like, it's a tough balance to make because as much as I'm triggered by some of the, you know, right wing conservatism, they're still a lot closer to us. And like your average, like, again, it pains me to say it. And people like, listen, I've never been a registered Republican in my life. I I'm voted, a registered Republican right now, by the way. I, I'm just pointing that uh, out. Listen, I voted for Hillary Clinton. That's how fucking Democrat I was. When people go off like people act like I'm some kind of like alt-right Christian nationalist dominionist, like, you know, bigot. I'm oh, just based. like Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> but so like, I no, just I want to talk about this because we are always talking about like what has worked for libertarians in the past, and the answer is nothing. Nothing has worked for libertarians in the past. We should be looking at the Democrats and Republicans. How do they win? Like Donald Trump beat the Bushes and the Clintons in his first run for any office. And it was president. And, you know, like this idea, I I mean, Trump, like I said earlier, he's horrible on policy, but he was a genius when it came to media coverage, an absolute fucking genius. And I think like to ignore that or to not like try to emulate that is a huge mistake. So um, some people aren't going to want to do that. And I totally understand that. This is my thing is like, I'm not asking for everyone to agree with like how Jeremy Kaufman's running his campaign. Like, I don't think Larry Sharp should suddenly start saying crazy shit to try to, um, you know, get into the news in New York or whatever. Like that's, that's just so un Larry and no one would buy it. It's just so fake or whatever. No, I'm just saying like, if people are going to do that because they're good at it and they're, it's working and they're ending up like if Israel is writing about you and criticizing you for wanting to defund Saudi Arabia, like you've kind of done something right, I would say. So like, um, it's not everyone has to have the same strategy. It's just like, well, if this strategy is working for one of the parties, maybe we, you know, maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. I did want to, I did want to clarify, like, I'm not arguing against the strategy or even that like different affiliates can't have different strategies. It was just that one tweet that I had a problem with. And um, it's not even like, it's it's I wasn't offended by it or anything. It's just that I do think like messages like that do turn off the people we want to wake up, especially but, but, conservatives but coming from some that of them. Like, but yeah, so, some like of them, this was something I was going to say before. Like, and this might might go to like I don't know where what your opinion or viewpoint on, on this is, Liam. But like, I don't think we're going to reach everybody, and I'm okay with that. Like, we need to go for the people that we can reach. We're never going to be 50% of the population. We're probably not even going to be 30% of the population. We, we, we probably are going to be at, on the, on the, 
on the high end between 10 and 20%. And I'm okay with that because that 10 to 20% can still like effectively uh, coalition to get a lot of what we want done, done at the state and local level. But we're not going to wake those people up. Um, or if we do wake those people up, it's going to take longer to wake those people up. If we, you know, like if we play conservatively, it's it's like, you know, we, it's like people want the Libertarian Party to be acting like a team, like a football team that's up 40 points in the fourth quarter. Like, oh, just run some ISO plays, do a little draw play, do a little screen play. It's like, no, we, we, we need to be freaking throwing the ball down the field. And yeah, sometimes there's going to be whiffs and misses. And I think, you know, the, the one push, and I've talked to Reed about this privately, is like, you know, I, I think we don't all need to be saying the same things, but I do think that New Hampshire needs to be willing to be good team players and to admit their misses when they make their misses. They've done that sometimes, and sometimes they haven't. So it's it's a bit of a mixed bag, historically speaking. Um, you know, they did take down the... Uh, the what was it the uh, the six million dollar minimum wage tweet which listen fucking hilarious just you know didn't think it was a good idea to put it on a national affiliate account um but there's been tweets in the past where the new hampshire by the way that was, fucking was circulating on twitter again today not the six million tweet but the ten thousand or your blah 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 you know yeah i saw that million. it was on facebook too so it's like i don't know just just saying like uh, it was it was all time <laughs> we actually like, made a comment on Nina Turner's post saying last time we tried this, we got in trouble. So we just stayed away from it. We, although we did say like $0 minimum wage or you hate people. The problem is you were too low last time. You were way too low. You should have been, (laughs) you should have been something like, you know, 10 million just to be safe. That's true. I mean, or 599,900 or 500. Yeah. 5,999,999. Then we would have been all right. But, so th- this is kind of the distinction that I wanted to make earlier. Like I, the, the reason why I say that I have like a personal take and and then the strategic take and then the base take is like, I, I really don't know. I, I think just when, when I hear bold messaging, what I, I care about is like people like Dave Smith going on Joe Rogan's podcast and saying that like the United States is currently, you know, causing children to die just because they're destroying their waterway. That like they literally don't have access to clean water. That's bold to me. Whereas like, yeah, I just don't think photos. Like personally, I don't think photos of Meghan McCain crying over John McCain's casket is bold in the same way. Like I think it's just it's there's like an edgy bold, and then there's just bold and clean cut, um, get straight to the point messaging that I think really is effective because it's like you, you you're not giving them any point that they can they can be get distracted on. It's like when, you know, when uh, Benghazi happened, like, or when the EU, uh, F the EU phone call happened, people cared more about the fact that the diplomat said the F word than they did that, like, we actually took over the coup and, and or that we were involved in the coup. And like, if you, if you give people ammunition by not being clean cut like that, I think that you actually end up weakening your argument and that's i mean that's just where i'm coming from is like instead if you you did as spike cohen said like put both images of like um a kid dead okay so i will agree with you there i think the better version of the mccain tweet is to juxtapose those two images together i will give you that 
Um, I think they would. I disagree. I still disagree. You can't say happy holidays. Like the uh, so look like there are different ways to do it, and would have had like different levels of impact. The way we did it was the maximum reaction. So like yeah. Like maybe it would have hit better. With I still some think other you would have had like ninety five percent the same reaction. Like maybe I mean I don't I don't know. I think people would have been just as offended. I don't think, I don't think to be Megan fair, McGrath like has quote tweeted it six times. I've had pictures of her father's war crimes along with it. And to be fair, like this is all speculation, and we're talking about like different. Sure, you know, if we would have done different things, like I don't know what would have been more effective. I'm just saying, like when we're talking about what we believe, I think. It, it makes our argument better if we just get to the point because the truth is is like if you didn't if you didn't go trending that day because you didn't send out that tweet like another tweet like the child labor law would have uh well like let the me, child I mean, labor law tweet would have let's let's consider this um a lot of us love ron paul for the giuliani moment and the whole like um i love the passing around the collection <laughs> basket <laughs> uh it's a funny comment um but no the um we all love the Giuliani movement because like Ron Paul was like, you know, calling out the neocons for blowback on a big stage and saying like, no, like it was our foreign policy decisions over the last, you know, like the 30 years before 9-11, you know, that led to that. Um, but, you know, people were saying that before Ron Paul, like Harry Brown wrote a freaking like, you know, like little book or article, like literally like almost like the day after 9-11, basically saying, hey, this was fucking blowback for all of the, you know, foreign policy moves that we've made over the past 30, 40 years, you know, and other people were calling that out too. So like people were saying really bold things about topics where people, you know, were were very, you know, were, were paying attention to and were very passionate about, but it just... I don't know, like, it wasn't enough. I don't think that, I mean, I think, you know, when it's kind of what Reed said earlier, like, what has worked for libertarianism in the past? Nothing. Because, like, nothing's really worked. The most, the closest that's come to working is, like, Ron Paul really growing the movement and accelerating, uh, you know, the, the, the spreading of the message. But Ron did that by... You know, I mean, he wasn't like balls to the wall offensive, but he was on just like on a really big stage and he was unwilling to kiss the ring of power. So it, it was very effective, but he had to do something to grab that attention. You know what I mean? So, so like, I think I, this might be heresy, but I think Trump was much more effective than Ron Paul. Like, obviously, Ron Paul had the right answers and the right message, but he you can't argue that Ron Paul was as influential as Donald Trump. Right. It's inarguable. It's all, yeah. well, I mean, only, I don't know yeah, about that. Yeah. Only because like, we didn't, what, though? I, I'm not yeah, sure well, about that the... only because we didn't like we're living in completely different times. Like, I, I really don't know, because if, if we would have had the technological moment that we did when when Ron Paul was there, like we had no idea how far that would have spread. Because, I mean, no. the truth is, is we're all here. I don't like so. So I, I do not think Paul. I think Joe Biden won the election in 2020. Uh, and the reason I think that is because I don't think you have to logically convince people of anything anymore. I don't think any of it's logical. It's mostly emotional. That's why yeah. people voted for Trump. So you think of like the huge movement. Also, that why existed. people voted against Trump. Right. Yeah, it was completely <laughs> emotional. I voted like, for Hillary Clinton, even though I had spent like a year and a half 
bashing her endlessly as a Bernie Sanders supporter. And listen, the Bernie Sanders people, they understood the, the skeletons in Hillary's closet. And, but it's just they emotionally hated Trump so much, much that like literally overnight, Bernie Sanders supporters just like went from, you know, kind of in a very based way back then, back in 2015, calling out the Clintons for the evil that they were to suddenly being like, oh, no, we, you know, Trump's awful. So now we have to, you know, I'm with her and all this, all this stupid shit. Like people are entirely like their, their ideology is way more about like their emotional experience and like who their friends are and who their acquaintances are and where their family is voting and the way they're maybe even the way their religious community is voting. Yeah, so to be clear, like I think the exposition, what you're talking about, like Dave going on Joe Rogan, like I completely agree with all that. And I think that's really effective for some people and probably for the most important people who are going to actually stick around and actually care about stuff. Like you absolutely need that exposition saying what the truth is. Totally, like 100%. But uh, I think to create like a huge successful movement that's going to have like a lot of lasting impact bigger than the Ron Paul movement. You have to look at like how those people that have made those big movements have made it like the Bernie Sanders movement was, it dwarfed the Ron Paul movement in comparison, but Bernie Sanders ideas don't make more sense than Ron Paul's. They're just more, he was more uh, connecting on a, an emotional level you know, just pu- pushing out Medicare for all, like Medicare for all doesn't make any sense. It's like, it's a, it's an awful idea or build the wall, you know, like that's also doesn't make any sense if you actually like break it down by numbers, how illegal immigrants get here mostly, you know, overstaying their visas or whatever. Like it, it doesn't logically make sense, but it doesn't matter because you've resonated with a crowd and you've built a movement off of like, gaining all this attention for saying something that's just like, whoa, what are you talking about? So I think if we're going to have a really successful movement, we can't bank on it being made out of logic, like, or at least not being sparked off of logic because nobody cares. If, if people were logical, we wouldn't have uh, the current president we do. And we wouldn't have had Donald Trump. We would have had Ron Paul. We would have had Harry Brown. Like it's not that people haven't heard the right stuff. Like a lot of them haven't, but when they do, they don't, you know, they don't actually change the way they live. Uh, Some of them do, but it's a very, it's a very, very, very small minority of people who actually adjust, um, you know, their lifestyle after they hear something that's true. It's like 5% of people probably. So, um, I don't know. I think we should take a page out of the Democrats and Republicans books. You know, they and and, and here's the other thing. Like they also like when it comes to coexisting, they're way better at it than we are. Like they hate each other and they like have all sorts of disagreements. Like if you look from like Liz Cheney to DeSantis to Donald Trump to Rand Paul to Matt Gates, like they're very, very different, but they still are able to function because they just like kind of go for their uh you know, they go for their groups that they're trying to reach or whatever. And they, they get along like the problem with libertarians, which it's a good thing. Like the Democrats and Republicans, they sacrifice all of their principles in order to win. Right. Like they all like throw down at the end and say, whatever, like I completely disagree with you on everything, but you're team red. So I'm going to support you. 
That's why they win. We don't win because like we're so principled that we're like, no, you aren't like a real libertarian because you disagree on, you know, voluntary cannibalism or whatever. Um, so like I, I think to an extent we have to look at what they do and be like, you know what? Okay, I do disagree with this guy on this thing, and I wish he would say this more. But at the end of the day, whatever, like he is saying stuff that's way better than what these other people are saying, and then like not trying to have this mono uh you know th this this like group that's just trying to reach one demographic or something like like i was saying earlier we need to be really decentralized in our approach and trying to reach all sorts of different people and then coming together under a banner when we run a presidential candidate and, no we, like, i mean we're, we're, we're kind of trying to get the remnant it's, it's sort of where i'm at and you know it's funny reed used the number five percent of the population actually responds to like information five percent of like 330 million people is about 16 million people which is you know back to what i said earlier we can probably max out between 10 and 20 million people if we really push hard it's like that, that that's what i see people are like would y'all say are in the liberty movement or the libertarian party and now does anybody got the numbers on that i don't know we might be if I, I i don't have the numbers if i had to guess we're probably somewhere around uh, at most, if you're talking about like the entirety liberty movement, one percent uh, of the country, maybe if we're lucky, which would be like, what, like three million, maybe. Yeah, like I, like, I think that. Yeah. Um, so, by the way, I'm like I think, like I like I started that with. I think the exposition is important because I agree. Like the remnant is the most important demographic to reach. But if we are going to run campaigns. I think like taking a page out of the Democrats and Republicans book is how they like are successful oh, yeah. and get lots of media. Like we should be thinking about how they do that. No, I think we can get a lot of libertarian policies passed through issue coalitions and through mm -hmm. political action at the local level. That doesn't require making a lot of people libertarian. Um, heck, I even even I know he's not always someone that you have the, the most uh um, agreement with Reed, and especially not you, Will, but even guys like, you know, Andrew Popular Liberty with the GOP Mrs. Caucus, I think that some of the ideas he has is in terms of uh, things to do at the local level to sort of like not make people libertarian, but incentivize local government to put to like what? create more. <laughs> like have our local governments invest in the stock market. I'm sorry. I'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I knew I would trigger Will that way. It's revenge for for, for saying the Bible contradiction. <laughs> but no, I'm all my, my point just being like I, I'm. I'm kind of white pilled on our ability to actually fight back against authoritarianism and to push decentralization and push libertarian policies at the local level, because I don't think we need to make people libertarian in order to do that. Now, I do think that making more people libertarians obviously going to help in terms of, you know, in, in sort of a defensive manner and also in terms of just like being able to attack more localities like it's a good idea to grow the movement to whatever our peak is whether that's 10 million or 20 million or five you know five million nine hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine i don't i don't know how many it is but you know i you know i hope we can peak out at what we can peak out at 
And then, by the way, that would be an incredible number if that's like how many vote for the Libertarian Party in 2024, <laughs> right on the nose. Yeah, it seems a bit um, hard. Hey, could I, uh, like, could I put us in a direction here? We were, you, you mentioned like focusing on localization and everything. And I've been uh, kind of like pondering something. Um, a lot of the like trepidations people have about like fo- like fully embracing the localization thing is um i think some people are scared to give up some of the like liberal accomplishments that have came forward throughout like you know the federal government like say gay marriage um certain things like that should should we be focusing on maybe like pushing our state governments to like codify gay marriage and things like that to like just kind of show support for like the idea that localization works Cause like for real, like me, like I'm in this shit. Have you ever met a gay person, Will? No. (laughs) (laughs) But for real, like, like there's a lot of gay libertarians. But when they hear us Mises dorks talk about like how we want to support, like go back to local governments or state governments and that kind of thing, um, they're scared to get like some of them are married to people, and if like we, you know one day we wake up and Georgia doesn't have gay marriage anymore. These people's lives are ruined and shit. And like we, as the proponents of localization, like we should be pushing this kind of stuff to just, at least if we ever get our accomplishments, we're not fucking over people. And I mean, that hold do. on. I just got to interject here. Cause this comment is triggering me. Tucker, Trump and Crowder are not neocons. They literally attack the neocons every day. So Tucker's the best out of the three of those, but you can still be a neocon neocon and hate other neocons. Um, I mean, a lot of the neocons have just shifted their focus. So a lot of them don't care about Iraq or uh, Syria anymore, but now they just care about Iran and China. Uh, all three of those guys are horrible on Iran and, or actually and China is okay on Iran, but, yeah. I mean, uh, it's, the other it's two like certainly you can be a black China, person and hate, it's like being a, you can be a black person and still hate other black people. Look at Obama. Yeah. So just because they all hate Liz Cheney, it doesn't mean they hate neoconservatism and they all are, you know, uh, I would say Tucker more hates Liz Cheney for the right reasons, but certainly Trump hates Liz Cheney. And I would say Crowder, uh, just because she doesn't like Trump, which and wouldn't really... they be like the <laughs> new conservatives? Like in the root word of that, just kind of like the new brand of conservatism. Like, well, the neocons originally were like Trotskyites who then rebranded themselves as liberals and then conservatives, and then they sort of gone back to like liberal interventionists. They're very the whole thing about neoconservatives is that they're shapeshifters. They're very good at like going from one cultural. Um, thing to another and so you have neocons like mike pompeo who just stayed in the republican party uh and then you got other ones like robert kagan and um bill crystal who like leave and become democrats because it's the you know that's where their lizards lizard suit like fit better or whatever so this whole idea that neocons are like a fucking stable force that always think a certain way and are always like with one group of cultural people is bullshit like they're that's they're definitely not that there are people who you know change their outward appearance to further the same policy goals with different demographics as time goes on so anyway sorry to 
cut you off about gay marriage, but no, I'll talk shit on neoconservatives any <laughs> any any time. This is more, it's more you backfiring. Y'all's like thoughts on that, or like my only pushback to what you said was that like first of all, I, I think it's a little bit melodramatic to say that like if gay marriage suddenly was not allowed in Georgia, that like their lives are ruined. I mean, compared if to like marriage was no, there's still conversion therapy. Well, come on. Exactly. On yeah. God. <laughs> no, but like, what do you mean by ruined? Like, I mean, I was unless being you're telling okay, okay, that's a little dramatic, but say inconvenienced at the best. Like say, say there's okay, a your inconvenience is not my the... problem. Like I, I just, it's not like, I don't believe in this idea of equality in terms of like, you know, me and my wife can get married. So you and your husband have to also be able to get married. I mean, first of all, I don't want the government involved in marriage at all. But on that point, I think that's exactly why like the emphasis at the state level would have to be on like contract law and tax law. And it would be like, just making equality in the sense of contract like we don't want the state to discriminate against people as right. for like contract that's enforcement what, that's what i was gonna i say. think that's like, what it boils down to if the government if the state is going to give out marriage licenses and that's how you can I know, we've been I mean, down that, that's, we, we debated this on my podcast this. i think if <laughs> yeah we did if the state is going to control marriage then they shouldn't be allowed to discriminate i think mm -hmm. I mean, I if, if we actually get them out of marriage, then yeah, then it's the Nolan void topic. But as I long as the idea of marriage, I think the idea would just be to like nullify whatever you can at the federal level that is involved with marriage and then also get the state out of it. I mean, okay, that, the that only is the, there, there's only two there's only two things I commonly hear uh, as arguments for why. Uh, gay people not being able to get married is a, like a major obstruction to their ability to live life the way they want. One would be like tax reasons, but I think that's not really a big deal because honestly, if you're married and you don't have kids, you're probably paying higher taxes if you're filing jointly than if you file uh, separately. So that doesn't even seem to be like a really compelling argument unless they're going to adopt a bunch of kids. Right. Um, you know, like seeing, you know, rights to see your spouse in the hospital. Right. So that's the, 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 the uh, right to see their spouse in the hospital. Um, you know, I don't even know if that's a, a law. I don't think that's something needs solved at the, the legal level. Like that's something that like hospitals set the standard for. So if it's like you have a significant other, um, the hospital can have their policy. Like, there's no law that says uh, if you're not married, you can't go visit this person in the hospital. It's a hospital policy, so they can decide who's allowed to visit people. And if you want to push the, the the hospitals to be like, hey, like if someone has a significant other other and they're not married, whether they're in a straight relationship or a gay relationship, they should be allowed to visit their significant other in the hospital, like you don't need the government to solve that. You know what I mean? I'm not saying like you need the government. Like we're all anarchists at heart or whatever, or minarchists. And we all have this, like, I'm starting to get like almost, I can't go through this again, but like the, the idea. Yeah. We all want marriage not associated with the state, but like, it's going to be like, just say not, it will. Just say it. Stop living in Ankapistan in your head. Is what you're trying to say. Yeah, yeah. But like, 
we're the proponents of the localization. Like we're, we're coming, like we're talking strategy and how we talk to like people that are not libertarian. And when we're out here talking to people like, yeah, we want to abolish the federal government and have states or local governments run, run, you know, the aspects of our lives that the state it deems it have to. Um, marriage is one of them and, and contract laws like that. And we, as much as you hate, hate throwing a bone to the, to the gays, Jacob, like is we got to stand up for their right to marry. If, if you our, don't have a right to marry though, that's my whole, but yeah, okay, like, right. Yeah, I get you. But <laughs> quit living in Encapistan in your head. It's <laughs> not even Encapistan in my head. It's just like, that's, that'd be like, you know, the, someone coming to me and saying like, you have a right to like buy a car or okay, I don't know, what like, do you what do you call it like your ability to marry like marry someone like like what would you say? well yeah to the extent that like like not allowing gay marriage would be prohibiting certain types of private contracts i think that we have to be opposed to that no matter what but like fundamentally not only like, opposed to that like but, but here's the thing there like are there's so much propaganda around this like there were so like there are very few instances where states were actually banning private contracts that basically gave gay couples close to the same sort of privileges close. that 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 marriage contracts gave close so, to like, the same but not the same like it's just yeah. the, 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 in very few instances were any of the distinctions really would they measure up to people, a difference? Those are people that. Yeah, but you're asking me to like die, like to get animated to like go fight on that battle, and I'm like, yeah. that's just such a low, hey, like it's it's not a, it's such a low hanging fruit. Like it's not, uh, it, it's like driver's licenses. A little bit. It's like I'm not going to go fucking die on the hill of driver's licenses right now. I'm not going to die on the hill of privatizing the sidewalk. Jesus. Yeah. Whoa, whoa. whoa. <laughs> I, I, think, I think what Will's saying is like, if gay people were not allowed to get driver's licenses. And then you were just saying, well, we shouldn't have driver's licenses at all. Good. I hate the fucking rules. <laughs> okay. But his point would be like, yeah, I agree with what you're saying, but we're not there. So while we the state is controlling who's allowed to drive or whatever, then you shouldn't be able to discriminate against people who want to drive based on you know what their sexuality is. So if I mean, you don't have a right to drive, right, I guess. But if the state is requiring you to get a license and then they exclude you from being able to get a license because of something unrelated to your ability to drive a car, that's not okay, right? Like while we live yeah, under that system, you shouldn't yeah. be. Well, how's it different? Well, one is a system that's based upon One's like a licensing icky. system. One's a licensing system that like the state claims that they have to control to make sure people are competent in their ability to drive so they don't pose a risk to the lives of other people. Right, right, right. Like, but it has nothing to do with your competence, is my point. It has only to do with Right, no, no. So if they're if discriminating you're... against people not based upon their right. ability to demonstrate competency, that's a problem. But right. like that's what I'm saying. So like okay, but but marriage is a completely for... different thing. Like marriage is like there's nothing. It's just a piece of paper. Well, that marriage says, like, is I'm joined but... to this person in a like you know we're now supposed to be construed as like in a union in the eyes of the state. Even though like marriage is more of a religious term that was supposed to mean a union in the eyes of God. And like I just don't see the parallel there because again right. so, I, don't where, is, I don't I don't see where I don't I don't see where. 
regardless of the differences between a driver's license and a marriage license, it's the point that the state is denying you a license to be able to do something that has nothing to do. Yeah, but with... one has one has. Can we not recognize that one significantly hampers a person's ability to go and do things in life, and the other really, like it might in some small niche ways, but in not in ways that like aren't easily overcomable. Like if the state's telling you you can't have a driver's license, I can recognize that like, you, like it's not that you're. Uh, unable to do like find a way around that but like that's a major hampering on your ability to go do things that you would be able to freely do otherwise if the state wasn't restricting you whereas like you know like you're not able to go like buy and drive a car on like public roads which are like 99.9 percent .9 of all the roads that exist so in the way like the state is sort of like bottlenecking your ability to travel in a significant fashion whereas restricting who can get married i just don't see you know again what significant damages are being done to people other than like they just don't get to claim the title of marriage and i'm sorry like that's just not enough for me to get like up in arms and angry about to the point where i would go and like devote tons of time to fighting it i mean kate and nicole in the comments made a good point too which is like insurance like there are so many private uh, um, market options to people in those situations, even now, to find ways around that. Um, you know, and you know, okay, it's like, point fine. That's a point for you there. Like just saying, like it's not. There are ways people can get around this, but and like, people, people were people for like right decades. Now, they were living. People were living together in gay relationships, and like they're at most, they had some minor inconveniences to their life, but for the most part they were able to live their lives in more or less the same ways that everyone else around them was. That's fine. Minus being able to say, minus being able to say the sentence we're married and minus being able to file their taxes as married people. Like it's not, you know, and then now the adoption thing's different. Like gay people just have a hard time adopting period, whether they're married or not. Or not even just like adopting, but say like one, one partner has a child and like they want their new partner to like, you know, like they want to sit there and like some like, you know, create a union to where like this person is going to be able to take care of that child if something happens to them or something. And I'll get you. There's ways around that and contracts and everything like that. But let's just back away from even just like it's not the end of the world or ruining their lives. But like there are a lot of gay people right now that look at the federal government as something that is making their lives better because it is upholding that. And when we sit here and come and be like, no, nah, fuck all that. We're going to leave it to Georgia and Alabama. They go, yeah, fuck you. I'll just be a shit lip. And like, I don't blame them. Yeah, I, you know, but it, you know what? I think that's to, to it, with all due respect, Will, I love you, but I think that that's kind of homophobic. Like you're sort of like saying like gay people are this like special class of people that have to be pandered to. And if we don't pander to them, they're going to be completely turned off to the message of liberty. Whereas I know tons of gay people who would actually take my position here because they're actually not that entirely like their their political thoughts and their identity is not just entirely wrapped up in their identity of where they want to stick their genitalia. Okay, like, we can I even think like I... get it off of like just gays. Like we could talk about 
other things that the federal government enshrines that local governments don't like, you know, issues in the Bill of Rights, like, say, maybe libertarians in New York that are pushing localization, they need to be focused on, like, making sure New York enshrines gun rights and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a we good got, point here. Yeah, so we got into this on my podcast, too, when I had uh, Reed and Will on a couple of months ago. And I, I guess it's like, I think where we ended up on that was I said... I mean, use every weapon available if it's increasing the liberty of people. So even though, like, I don't believe in the Constitution and I think I in a, in a like pure libertarian sense, I would support the right of like New York having the right to like pass laws against gun ownership um, and not have the federal government override their will. Um, on the same token, though, it's like... I don't know if I'm going to grant a concession there, I guess I'll grant a concession when it comes to like something that's, you know, I think that's a major impact, right? Like if people are in an entire state are told that they can't purchase firearms to protect themselves, which is, you know, not just a hazard to their ability to defend themselves on a, just in a regular fashion, it's a hazard to their ability to, you know, protect themselves from the government because now the government has a monopoly in that state over the legal possession of firearms. So to me, that's enough of a consequence that, that I would agree with you there. Well, what um, about like freedom of speech? How about that? Like that's not, that's just somebody's ability to talk shit on the government or like in Georgia's case, Israel, like there are laws on in Georgia's books that, you know, fucks with people and their contracts dealing with the state. That they can't yeah, I don't want no. I, I don't want any laws on the books from the state restricting. I know you don't, but I'm saying like us. My whole point of bringing up the gay marriage in my home. Oh, so like what? Yes, what what, what would I do if that I... Jacob turned that around on me? He's like, you support gay marriage, so you're homo. <laughs> <laughs> but like that, all that these was a pretty good workaround. <laughs> it was good. That was a good one, bro. But um, like all these issues, like we're the champions of localization or y'all are, I'm the skeptic that just hangs out with y'all, but like <laughs> we should be no, pushing I, I think... all of this shit across the board. Like our local, our local governments, I'm uninterested in like living under the tyranny of Georgia and the, our back ass words bullshit. Like where the, no, I, I think government... I, I agree with you. Uh, Will. like new hand, I mean, I think it is kind of naive to think that like the state government is going to dissolve itself or whatever. And one, even though I think the state yeah, but government, who, but who banned well, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. The federal on, government me, or New Hampshire? Yeah. Let me finish my thought. Um, I think that the state can become almost a, or basically equally as oppressive as the federal government. Um, not on a worldwide scale, but on a personal scale, like to you, your state government can become just as bad so I think, yeah, like to, I mean, I, let's put it this way. I moved to New Hampshire because New Hampshire has the cultural values that I agree with. And they also are fine with like getting rid of the government, but the cultural values are more important to me because I realize that that's like almost a precursor into a precursor to dismantling the government because there already is like a high trust society here. There's not a lot of violence I think we're like one of the least violent states in the country. Uh, there's economic prosperity. Those are all prerequisites you need to dismantling the state that already exists. Because if you 
dismantle the state when you have a dysfunctional society you're just going to end up with something else in its place that's just as bad so i think it's good to like push your state in the right direction before um or like at the same time at least as you're taking that power away from the federal government but the true lesson everyone should get here is just move to new hampshire because uh <laughs> georgia's fucked up and montana is not bad and i don't know pennsylvania so much but uh yeah, just move to New Hampshire and, you know, it'll fix the problem. The problem is Pennsylvania is like California and New York on the on the ends and Alabama in the middle. So your mileage, your mileage will vary. <laughs> so, like, I, I actually and I, I think I agree with Will, um, but it seems like, Jacob, your thing is more about like relevant everyone like always you... gangs up on the jews what can i say you know it's the, the jews always in the minority getting shit on by all the white aryans <laughs> do you i mean is, is it more of like a relevance thing or is it like like you don't think it's as important of an issue or do you fundamentally disagree with the the whole idea like yes like you like like you do think that um marriage just like if it just stayed where it's at that's better than legalizing gay marriage. Yeah, I don't well, think gay legalizing gay marriage has actually helped because I think it I, normalized yeah. the idea of like, again, this, it, it continues to normalize the existence of the federal government and it continues to normalize the idea of the way we increase the rights of people who are being oppressed is to put more laws in the books and to have this kind of like positive rights mentality that the government has to come in and give the rights to the people. And I just think that all of that is like, it's not like it's the slippery slope argument is just empirically true at this point. Whenever we use the government for anything, even if it's good in the short term, it will be turned around and used for destruction. And, yeah, and I think you're the reduction of rights in the long term. The government intruding on private, uh, property and private ownership versus the government impeding on itself. Like when the government is creating restrictions for itself, I don't think that does legitimize its existence anymore or like I But it never stops make... there, Reed. It never it never just stops by restricting itself. But see that's that's <laughs> kind of like why I brought the point up is like you're exactly right that it creates that mentality that the federal government is creating these rights for people. And they are, forgive me for calling it rights, but you know what I'm saying? Like the perception of all these people is, well, without the federal government, I'm not going to be able to marry my spouse or I don't have gun rights or I, you know, I will. But I think the best solution for that is to promote more localism and to do like exactly. what Reed does. If you don't like where you live, move. You know, no, if that. you live I'm in New farmer. York and you don't like your. I, I'm a if, farmer. If you don't I, like. I can't move. That's the thing. And there's a lot of other people that are like, no. Nah, we got family. blueberries in Maine, Will. He can move up here. No, y'all don't get hot enough for the good ones. Rabbit eye blueberries. Then fight That's to make only... Georgia better, but don't go to Washington D.C. and ask them. Don't don't go lick. No 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 no. Don't, you, don't, go, don't go do you your fellatio totally... on the road of Washington D.C. to come and stomp down on the status oh, of Georgia. Whoa whoa whoa. No hold no. On, I'm hold saying on. Like you totally flip what he was saying. Yeah, he's saying yeah. Georgia, not why. He's yeah. he's saying like in he's he's <laughs> he literally made the argument that you just made at the beginning. He was saying. We should change Georgia so that people will be more willing 
to embrace decentralization and not rely on Washington DC anymore. That's exactly change, what change Georgia and like be specific. What do you want to do? Like, do you want to enshrine and, gay marriage in Georgia? Like codifying that as like saying like, yes, we need legalized gay marriage on the state level in Georgia. And also like, you know, some sort of legal, structure to uphold like so, people's ability to freedom of speech and the everything question that, is always compared to what compared to the supreme court making gay marriage the law of the land yes, i would like yes, that, that was, that's better that is a lot better <laughs> <laughs> we're getting there jacob <laughs> but 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 I, but, I, but I also everybody the, the, the only thing i would push back against there is that it's a bit of a false dichotomy to be like those are the only two options like I'm not saying it is the other option is to be like yeah fuck them gay people <laughs> that's the thing no no the, the other options would be like you know so like you could try to codify gay marriage or you could try to say you know what how about we just try to um you know pass you know ha ha you know make it so that the government can't impede upon private contracts no matter what they're you know uh you know trying to create between two or more consenting people you know what yeah, i mean so like, weird, but i think we got a longer road there like a longer so intellectual road to like get there like well the short and easy roads always worked out for us so you know <laughs> fair fair <laughs> but I, I honestly i do think we're there and there's a tendency like with you christian types i'm not trying to point any fingers but but like y'all don't want to admit like like Okay, fine. We gotta. We have to support gay marriage just because, like, the lizard people are telling us to support gay marriage. We don't. Well, I don't think it. I don't think it would be supporting gay marriage. It's just supporting private contract. Like, I actually, I do agree yeah. with you on this from a legal perspective, and I am wondering, like, Jacob, because the preferred, even from my point of view, is getting rid of state marriage altogether. But would you, I am curious, like, I want to get rid of marriage in general. Like nobody gets married. There we go. <laughs> I can support that. <laughs> but like, would, would, would you say that it would be, is it better that um, straight people can get married, but it is a state license, but gay people can't, or like, is that better than allowing gay people to get married? Well, just as long like in the same way as straight people can. Like if, if you if they were to enshrine it at the state level and protect gay marriage, like be, it is protected for straight you people, can't would choose that be either. worse? You have to choose one or the other. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, <laughs> okay, so if I'm understanding the Jacob question Jacob just doesn't want to be on asking... tape saying, yes, I support gay marriage. <laughs> this is not gay marriage. It's all it is. It's all it is. <laughs> the 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 question you're asking liam is do i think that straight marriage being enshrined by the government but not gay marriage is better than the government enshrining both yeah <laughs> it's I'm like pulling to, I'm fingernails <laughs> to... i mean like i think they're both bad i think right. that <laughs> and as marriage is currently defined with all of like the tax benefits and everything like that 
and they I get don't a know. kiss. To me, too. here's the, here's the thing. Your question <laughs> might as well be asking me like if I'd rather vote for George Bush or John Kerry. It's just like I don't know. Can win with it. Care. They both suck. <laughs> <laughs> they I get the point. Of, I get the point of view, but like, like I do get what you're saying, but still, there are tax and legal benefits they both like, have downsides i don't know which downside is worse what's like, the downside the down, to so the downside of enshrining it. both is what i've already said which is like you know we're further now even if, so, so let me take away if we're doing it at the level. state level if we're doing it at the state level and not the federal government level okay we're not normalizing washington dc anymore but we are we are normalizing the idea that government should be enshrining an equality in terms of like Everybody should have the right to do X. And well, I don't, well, no, know no, if it's, I like it's, that. It's, it's just equality before the law, because if you are required, like, yeah, but then, totally- okay, but then I'm, but then I'm, I'm already like accepting defeat in terms of like the government should be involved in marriage and that like, no, 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 it isn't because like, I, I mean, I'll go back to the driver's license thing. Even if you don't think there should be driver's licenses issued by the state, you don't think that there should be discrimination based on something other than driving ability in order, or like, let's say something other than a driver's license. Like if you wanted to get a haircutting license and they were denying that to gay people, which would be a huge downside for the industry because they're the best people at cutting hair, <laughs> you know, like then it's like, wait, I can't cut hair be- or not even gay. Like say if it's cause you're black or cause you're a man or like whatever, whatever, uh, you know, prejudice they had that they were not letting you get this license because of something other than your ability to cut hair. You know what? I think it's better if the government has the ability to discriminate against those people. I will go there because then I think it encourages people to be more because I think it encourages people to be more based upon based about the evil. So do you think do you wish that the government had passed vaccine mandates like federally because then it would have encouraged people to rebel against the state? Full accelerationism the whole way, the whole way down, man. Right. I respect it. I respect it as long as you're consistent on it. Just point out the irony of this. We started out with talking about how important it is to talk about like the most important issues, like Yemen, and now we're talking, and we're talking about, about tweets and then gay that's, that's because Will keeps it. The, Will, Will and Reed are, are trying to crack. All you got to do is go like, yeah, yeah, that's probably a good point. And we could have been all, we could have been talking about all the dead babies in Yemen. <laughs> I am, I am just autistic enough and just intox, tipsy enough on blueberry wine to not concede the point that <laughs> gays should be allowed to marry. Yeah, well, and I Jesus think um, I do. <laughs> Don't take this the wrong way, but I, I I save these chats for like the inside baseball dumb shit that no one else would talk to me about. Like that's what we talk about in these. We we mix it in with some interesting stuff, but then we'll be like, you know, voluntary cannibalism. There really is something here. Let's like really dissect this. No pun intended, and you know, figure out where we go. So I I think I just came up with like an analogy that might work. It, it might not, but like so with VA healthcare. So th- this is an example where the state has promised veterans. Uh, that they can have access to healthcare because they've served in the military. And it's like currently the somewhat libertarian argument and, and where more of the Cato types are focusing on is still having that U.S. government funded healthcare, but being able to take that 
to other healthcare facilities, not just the VA. So like, like states are suggesting that uh, veterans should be able to use those same funds to go to a private healthcare facility instead. And if I were to like use that same argument, it would be like, well, I wouldn't want them to go use those federal funds at a local hospital um, because I don't want to enshrine that type of welfareism. Um, and, and you kind of want to accelerate and, and, and get people off that altogether. And to me, it's like, no, I, I hate government funded healthcare that much that like, it, it's better that they still have federal funds. Here, I guess go. here's my line. It's like, if I'm going to accept the trade-off of like the costs that come with accepting some state action, I have to believe that the juice is worth the squeeze. And I'm just not convinced on the matter of gay marriage that the juice is worth the squeeze on that. I would probably be more inclined to think that the juice is worth the squeeze fighting against the government telling gay people or trans people they can't have their driver's licenses. Because I think that is a great enough infringement upon liberty um, that you got to push back against it. But when it comes to something like gay marriage, it's just like I'm not thoroughly convinced that, you know, that, that it's a substantial violation enough that it's worth fighting by trying to use any sort of state action. Like some things are infringements, but the best way to fight them is just the long term push to decentralize all the way to just the government's not infringing upon private actors doing whatever they want. There are some things that are infringement enough to the point that like, yeah, we might have to push really hard uh, to end the infringement either by like maybe invoking the constitution against the state of New York, maybe, or maybe like, you know, banning or enshrining something at like a local state level as a stopgap measure. But it's got to be something that really meets that threshold. In my I opinion. mean, yeah, I, I get your point to the extent that you're just arguing that it doesn't matter you, to you as much. But like, for me, if, if we solve, it's not even just, that, well, I don't think it's fair to say it doesn't matter to me. It's just that, like, I don't see where, just objectively speaking, where the major, like, again, I, other than the, the three things that we can talk about is that, like, and I think the worst thing is that they might not be able to visit a spouse in a hospital or something. But I think there are lots of ways in which the market allows for ways to circumvent that, such as like adding them to your insurance policy or having them as like your power of attorney or et cetera. Um, other than that, it's like, okay, there's some tax things that you might not be able to have. But again, unless you have kids being married and filing jointly actually hurts you in most cases. And then the other thing would be like, I don't know, like uh, being able to adopt in the first place, but that's the adoption system in our country. is just such a fucking convoluted mess anyway, that it's like, uh, I, you know, it, it, it's again, it's, it's too convoluted for me to think that's enough of a infringement that we need to put it this way. Like gay marriage has been enshrined and gay people have still been having a hard time adopting people and straight people even hard have a hard time adopting people because that whole entire sector is just so fucked up with all the government regulation and intervention. So it, it's, it's just kind of like, do I really want to 
be lay- layering state interventions upon state interventions in an attempt to kind of maybe achieve something quasi more libertarian or is that not worth my time and should we be focusing on things that i think objectively do more harm to a larger amount of people yeah and that's what i mean by hold on I got to just, I got to reference this comment. So someone says, atheist libertarians want a high trust, free society, but think they can get that without, uh, with, while taking out the Christian conservative values that are literally the foundation of this country of Western civilization. So everybody, what is the freest state in the country? And we're going down this road. (laughs) Yeah, well, uh, which one is it? New Hampshire. New Hampshire. Florida. Here are the 10 states that are the least religious. Number one, <laughs> New Hampshire. Case closed. Sorry. So yes. I, I will say I get sick of this argument because libertarianism is a religion. Case closed. Well, no, this is just a dumb <laughs> argument. What does he mean? There like, is no free society. What does that mean? There is no correlation between religion and freedom, and it doesn't go either way. Like, just because the most religious state is uh, i mean i think the least free state is like is california right which is i think a pretty atheist state as well so and then some of the states that are super religious are up on the more freedom scale like florida and then some of them are way down like alabama but my point is like there is no correlation religion literally has nothing to do with freedom and i'm sick of people acting like it does because you have some religious countries like venezuela that are awful and then you have some yeah. religious countries like to, the united states that are much better to live in to, and then to you've end got on a point of agreement here like this whole capitalist communion thing was founded because we were all kind of collectively like, like we have a lot of obviously different viewpoints and, and disagreements on these things which is fun right but what we agree yeah. on is that like christians and atheists and liberty movements having having the never-ending spiral argument of like the the liberty movement has an atheist problem no the liberty movement has a christian problem or whatever is is a distraction and nonsense because like you know what it has there a are faggot just problem as many... which has nothing to do with being <laughs> yes. gay by the way yes to which is why i'm yeah. against gay marriage no. <laughs> but no the like there are just as there are, are a lot of instances in history of christians being absolute statists and authoritarian strongmen and right. using the Bible to justify this, you know, some of the most horrific things in human history. There have also been atheists who have done the same thing and trying to like calculate who like, Oh, out of those two groups, which one has been worse is like a pissing contest. I have no interest in getting in because like, you're just going to end up covered in piss. <laughs> like there's nothing to gain from it. Like the, what we need is, you know, and, and this is like my pushback against the like hardcore edgy atheists and like the hardcore, like paleo Christian conservatives, which is like, you know, I'm sorry. Like you all have had your experiments with like hyper atheism, hyper Christianity. And like they fail. Um, if you want a society in which, rights are protected and a society in which violence is minimized you have to learn to tolerate people who are different than you and so yeah you need a high trust society but to say that everyone has to have the same religion well first of all that's empirically false because we've had societies that all have the same religion and still end up being violent 
Um, because mm-hmm. like again, it's like how much do you have to scale that out? Do we need one world government that's all Christian and forces everyone to be Christian? Because then it's like if unless you're advocating for that, then you're just gonna have warring tribalism between people of different religions or people who are atheists. Like, no, like we have to evolve past that stupid petty tribalism. And like, listen, like I'm uh, I'm pretty I'm as Christian as it gets. I'm like a step removed from a fundamentalist and I have really harsh critiques for atheism, but gosh, like you don't need like an atheist can be a a moral person who you trust in society and who you can, like you can have, you know, atheists and Christians and Muslims and fuck, you can have gay people and trans people all in the same society and find a way to coexist without, going to war with each other or trying to like initiate force to control the other group of people. And that's what we have to normalize. And you can normalize that from a Christian perspective and you can normalize that from an atheist perspective and you can normalize it from a faggot perspective. Like, I don't care, but like, that's what we need. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's close on that. Uh, we'll just give like, uh, 30 seconds of closing thoughts and where people can follow you and buy your wine. Right on. Yeah. Uh, well, my closing thoughts is I love this, our capitalist communion guys. Like it's, it's one of the funnest things we get to do and talking about that mission of us all, like being like atheists and Christians that come together and like are able to talk about these issues. I, I, I see the benefit in it and I, I love it. Uh, I'm, I have a great time, and thank you, Reed, for always letting me come on here and play podcaster with you guys. It, it's great. <laughs> it's great. But yeah, right here, Rabbit Eye Wine, rabbiteyewine.com. Please check it out. It's a 100% blueberry wine uh, my family makes, and we sell online and in stores all throughout Georgia. So yeah. 50% chance if you drink blueberry wine, you'll go on angry, anti Christian evangelical rants like I have well, like five there- times this podcast. <laughs> There is a chance. Yeah. <laughs> I distill my hatred towards theocracy <laughs> in every bottle. Yeah, this is, this is a heretical. I'm, I'm drinking the uh, the fruits of atheist labor, and it's <laughs> and it's uh, corrupting me. <laughs> <laughs> That's its intent. Sir. A bad tree can't bear good fruit. <laughs> Liam. Yeah, I really love doing this. Um, I'm glad we finally got to do it, and we have to make sure that we all get together in 2023. Um, I mean, it, it's cool to be able to see Reed, Will, but Jacob, we need you there, and we need to do a yeah. live podcast too. None um, of us we, have met Jacob ever, I don't think. Right? Guys, come to Does come Jacob to Pennsylvania in March. <laughs> <laughs> hey, come invite us to speak. We'll all come and do a capitalist communion on the stage. That would Ooh. be all right. I'll make it happen. There we go. Well, yeah, um, everyone should check out the Mises Caucuses Ask an Austrian podcast. We uh, revived it. We did like three podcasts a while ago with Bob Murphy and a couple others, but we just started it up and we've, we've released like three podcasts, I think. So it's been pair byland. Um, and then Jonathan Newman and Patrick Newman and both or all three podcasts were great. And I think we just scheduled with Dr. Mark Thornton. Um, and we're about to get Walter block on the whole idea is you submit questions on lpmesiscaucus.org or .com and they answer your questions live. Um, So if you have any questions about libertarian theory, economic theory, uh, Austrian economics, submit them there and uh, they'll answer your questions.
Jacob. Uh, my name is Jacob Daniel, and I hate gay people. And <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so uh, if you want to follow me, it's at Biblical Anarchy on Twitter. Um, and I got some cool stuff coming up, but it's not going to be announced and put into action until probably November. So uh, I'm going to be kind of low, you know, month of October. There's not going to be a whole lot on the podcast. I, I'm supposed to be having Spike Cohen on at some point. And other than that, um, I don't have much planned for the month of October. But stay tuned because there's some big stuff in the works. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, I, I love this this group of people. It sucked that we weren't able to get the the four of us together for a podcast for a while. And yeah, we definitely got to meet up in person. And, uh, um, yeah, no, I think that it's, it's interesting to have four different people who have a lot in common yet coming from different perspectives and to, you know, show that you can have these passionate, you know, disagreements and agreements and, you know, walk away friends and, uh, and allies on the stuff that matters the most. And I think, you know, that's what we, you know, that's what we have to normalize if we want not only the liberty movement to succeed, but if we just want libertarianism to succeed, is we, we have to foster that kind of goodwill and camaraderie. Yeah, um, I don't know if he's watching, but Ryan Dawson just messaged me. Uh, funny, my country has no Christians or mass shootings, trans lobotomies, or drug problems. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought that was funny, but uh, yeah, I I love this show. Like we all disagree on stuff. Like there's been moments when I'm siding with Jacob against will and then sometimes i think it was the first time we all ganged up on liam on something like that, that i don't think that's happened before but uh it broke it's fun my heart. Like, yeah it's kind of well by the way liam's cheeks look like extra rosy on the camera today like i don't know if that's real life or it's just the, yeah <laughs> but no it's good like i i think um libertarians have a problem of not being able to disagree without feeling like they're enemies you know, like, I, I think it's fine to just actually disagree on strategy and actually disagree on what the best move is and then let the market do its work. So, like, if someone has an idea that they think is going to work, I say go for it. Um, and if someone has an idea of how to, like, advance liberty in their state and other people are like, eh, I don't know about that. Well, well, why don't you just go for it and see what works and try it instead of everyone trying to micromanage everybody and then if someone disagrees with you they say oh fuck you or if um you know you I, I don't know i think we just have like a toughness problem we we take everything too personally and this podcast is good because we do like strongly disagree on a bunch of stuff but also agree on a lot of important stuff so i hope people can learn from this and like try to bring more uh cohesion and camaraderie and understanding that disagreement is part of uh, having a relationship, a successful relationship with people. Like you have to be able to disagree. Um, but yeah, I am Reed Coverdale. You, could, you got, I got all of our links listed in the description uh, to everyone's YouTube channel and Twitter. If they have one, uh, follow me on Substack and telegram. And uh, let's see, I'm going to Maryland to do a speech uh, next Sunday. So I'll be there. Um, I'll be posting more about that later. Um, and yeah, happy holidays, everybody. <laughs> I guess we'll, uh, we'll end on that note. <laughs>